Welcome to the Hyper Voice, episode 130. This is a show all about Pokemon's video game championship series. I am your host, Steven Morioka, and I am here with Alex Underhill. Hey there, Steven. Welcome back. Thank you. And Colin Heyer. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. Colin, thank you for being here. Alex, thank you for hosting last week. And hello, everyone. I am back for this uh, week's episode. And we just came off of the region qualifiers from Pokemon Players Cup 3, that second weekend. And we have our 16 global finalists. We're going to talk about who those people are, what their teams were. But first, we're just going to talk with uh, Alex and Colin about the teams they ran in the tournament. And we're going to talk about Colin's run during Pokemon Players Cup 3. You went pretty deep into this one, so we're going to get into all of that. Now, Alex, I am curious because uh, I didn't hear you mention last time what team you ran for Pokemon Players Cup 3. Can you please tell us more? Yeah, yeah, I realized that might have uh, not come out last time. I really thought it did, so apologies in advance for uh, anybody that was wondering, but... Uh, I actually just used the uh, same team as uh, three of the four uh, or three of the players to make it to uh, top 16. Uh, Adi, Raghav, and uh, Colin here. Um, we all had the same team as well as uh, Kimo, who, uh, like me, did not make it to the top 16. And um, yeah, this was uh, a team of Groudon, Incineroar, Charizard, Porygon 2, Venusaur, and Grimmsnarl. Um... And uh, we'll probably talk a bit about it uh, over the course of the show, but um, this is like a pretty standard, uh, what's coming to be known, at least the archi- the way that I like to refer to the archetype, as uh, sunscreen. Um, <laughs> just because you have uh, the sun, and uh, Grimmsnarl is there to set screens. Um, but yeah, th- this is just like a, oh, I don't know, it feels like one of the teams that, um, kind of like Lapdog early on in the format, uh, this is a team that's just like really well-rounded. And is just designed to take on as many different things as possible. I don't know, Colin. What are your uh, like first thoughts? Just like general like thoughts about the team. Um. So like when preparing for this tour, I really wanted a team that was like I really wanted to beat Sun. So I told Rog of like if your Sun team doesn't like match up super positive versus the Mirror, I don't want to use it. I'll build my own team. And like I I like. I wanted that to be a priority because I thought Sun was really annoying and I thought a lot of people would see it as like a potential play. It's just kind of like something that has done really well in these tournaments before. Um, I mean, David Kutesh has gotten qualified twice with it. He almost qualified a third time. So like to me, Sun is like the play always for these like, um, for this, for the regional qualifiers. So I wanted a really positive matchup for versus Sun. And if, if it meant using Sun, I wanted it to be anti Sun that was Sun. So that's like how I view the team is like it's a pretty standard Sun team, but it also po- uh, matches up positively against every other version, whether it's Wolves, whether it's Pauls, whether it's even like in the mirror. Um, it's positive versus Sun, and that's that was a huge priority me priority for me going into it, and that's like one of my favorite parts about the team is I just never felt nervous playing a mirror, no matter who or how good the uh, opponent was. Some of the things that, like, uh, were, of course, targeting that was the uh, Assault Vest Charizard with Ancient Power to help deal with Opposing Charizard. And then uh, not every Sun Team runs that uh, Grim Snarl to set screens, and that can really help you uh, endure the Opposing Team's attacks. Because Sun is, while I said a very well-rounded team, it is very aggressive. It has, you know, lots of high-damaging Pokemon. Um, I guess we, are, we were a bit, like, half and half. You know, there's Porygon 2, Incineroar, and Grim Snarl all there to support 
But uh, Charizard, Groudon, and Venusaur can all uh, do very, very threatening things um, damage-wise and uh, special secondary effects-wise. That's kind of been the, the latest buzz um, just in the VGC community is talking about these uh, these G-Max Wildfire residual damage effects. Um, I think there's like 10 teams of this Hop 16 that had it. I can't remember. I'd have to do a count here right now, but man... So many teams in uh, in NA that is uh, are make, taking advantage of these uh, G Max uh, Vocalist clones. They're so so strong. Yeah, I definitely agree. But also, like, to I think one thing that's really nice about this Sun team is like the archetype is normally known for being really aggressive, really coin flippy. Like, oh look at you! You must have hit all your sleep powders. You're so good. But at the same time, I think this team, like, if you look at the EV spreads and like the way the team is functions and built. Like, almost everything is bulky. Like, even Charizard has, like, a decent amount of bulk in it. And Venusaur is, like, almost all bulk and speed. So, like, even though it's traditionally an offensive archetype, I think all the Pokemon were built in a strategic way to, like, just be a bulky, like, defensive team in nature. Even though, like, you're using the Pokemon's natural high aggressive attack stats or special attack stats to do damage but then you're just bulking everything down and just living forever with the screens and that's why i just i, I really do think this is one of my favorite teams of series eight if not my favorite agree i definitely agree and it definitely does abuse those secondary effects i think like since a lot of the bulk is there like i think the team is just completely built in mind with basically getting up a wildfire or a vine lash every single game with either charizard or venusaur i think groudon can max sometimes but and end in Cinderor if you're fighting the Shadow Horse. But outside of that, like, you're mainly just maxing one of the two Kanto starters and just setting up the Vine Lash or the, or the Wildfire and just letting it do its job. And I think this team abuses that and definitely plays on how broken um, people think they are and how well they perform in-game. Yeah, so I quickly glossed over the not, not just the, the North American region, but I looked at the top six or the top four from each uh, region of the Players Cup 3. So, you know, um, the essentially the 16 players who made Global Finals, I looked, there's the potential for Volcalith, Wildfire, or Vinelash on 10 out of the 16 teams. So Maybe that was it then. So that's what I saw there. And, um, you know, those, those effects are very, very strong. We all know this. We've seen them. We've been using them and playing against them. And I think, you know, just one of the biggest things about it is that you're doing damage and you don't even have to do anything. You just hit that move once. It is there for those next four turns. And it's things where, you know, you can just double protect. You can double switch and you're still getting really good damage off. So that's uh, one of the things that makes those effects really good. As well as like, they're all behind really strong Pokemon, maybe with the exception of Blastoise. <laughs> you know blastoise is still pretty sick man i've seen bingji make some work with, uh, <laughs> true, blastoise. True. I, I mean i think venusaur i like tweeted out before the tournament started i was i showed off venusaur's stats and like i actually think the stats of these starters uh specifically charizard and venusaur are pretty pretty dated and like a little bit power crept but like the prevalence of those like vine lash and wildfire is just so worth it that like like, I don't think they're really, like, inherently good Pokemon. They have great tools and good abilities, but, uh, like, stat-wise, they're just not doing much. Same with Colossal. Like, they're not they're not doing a lot of damage without these effects. I don't know if we'd see them nearly as much. I think Venusaur would still be really prevalent. But I think Charizard and uh, Colossal would suffer a little bit if they didn't have these these broken, strong effects. Mm-hmm. 
not to mention them being able to Dynamax, Gigantamax, um, especially for like Colossal. Like you would not see that thing at all, I think, without being able to Dynamax. <laughs> um, so let's uh, get into uh, actually, Colin. I want to hear more about. We've heard the, a little bit about the team. I want to hear more about your run in Players Cup Three. So you made it all the way to the final round of the losers bracket, and I just want to hear, you know, how you know when did you drop to the losers bracket, and what was your run like? Um, any highlights from that? And then we can talk about, you know, maybe that final round and start getting into these uh, top finishing uh, players here. So I started like the night. I think the run really starts like the night before because like I, you know, I the bracket was out. So we we're able to kind of plan and see who we would potentially play, like if we had any names. And I recognized right away that I was going to be playing against most likely uh, Audi. And Audio, I know, is running the same exact six Pokemon as me. Um, the only difference was that I had Solar Beam Charizard due to a team sheet error that I inflicted upon myself by accident. So I had Solar Beam, he had Scorching Sands, and I knew that, like, I was actually guaranteed to play Audi as well because he had a buy. So, like, there was no way around, like, even if, you know, he were to lose or something, like, he literally couldn't. So I knew right away I had to play him round two. So I thought about the mirror, thought about what I could do. I kind of had a game plan. Um, and then I played round one. I beat my opponent and Audi was waiting for me. And then I ended up losing the mirror. Audi played better than me. And like, it's when you're playing like a sun mirror like this, it can get kind of gross. But like, I just felt like I wasn't playing on the level that I should be to even like contest him. So then after that, it was kind of like, all right, now I have to win. I think it's like seven in a row, maybe even eight. To, to get out of the, to get out of the loser's bracket, or like, to make it to the second week of play. So, after that, I just sort of went on a rampage, and I just, you know, I played every game like it was my last, and I think I actually didn't lose, I lost one game, like, one game total, like, in all the sets. I 2 all my opponents except for one, after losing to Audi. I just, like, I, I went crazy. And then uh, the one opponent I lost to was someone named Brendan, and they I just kind of, like, misjudged something in game one. I don't remember the set too well, just because, like, it's in the heat of the moment. Um, but, like, a lot of the matches, like, were just me, like... Because I I'd put so much work into this tour that I... I In the last tournament, I went 0-2, and two, the last Players' Cup. So I really wanted to make all the work that I put into this one count. So I just was really determined to not lose. And, like... I, I, I didn't, and I played really well throughout the day. Um, the Brendan match was one that stuck out where, like, I dropped one game to him. Uh, the game won, so, like, my tournament life was on the line, but then I just powered through in games two and three. I think I just made a blunder in game one. And then in the final round of Swiss on that day, or of, of double elimination, whatever, um, if I won this one, I made it to the second week of play. I actually had to play a mirror against another mirror, the second mirror of the tour, um, against the same six Pokemon. Um, I believe it was one of Audie's friends. Um, and so I had to play the team once again, but I learned what I did. You know, I learned from my mistakes from Audie and I just came in and just said, I'm going to play better and I'm just going to play confidently. Cause I, against Audie, I tried some gimmicks. Like I tried to lead Charizard plus Venusaur and like force Audie to be uncomfortable. Cause Audie is very, in my opinion, like from what I learned in the past week of playing with him and practicing with him is that he's very like robotic and systematic in his prep and his play. Like he, he doesn't give you a way in, so I wanted to make him uncomfortable. So I led Charizard Venusaur for some 50-50s, and he came out on top. And, like, against uh, Saul, my last opponent, I played like Audi did. I played, like, a robot, like, not a robot, but, like, just very punishing and systematic and just saying, like, all right, I'm going to make really safe plays. I'm going to play aggressive. I'm going to do what I need to do. And then, um, you know, I learned from my first loss, and then 
I was able to win that one, so that qualified me for the second week of play. So I had a week-long break in between where I ended up practicing with Audi, Kimo, and Raghav for the whole week. And we just ran sets versus potential opponents. My first opponent was Mao, Jackson Finch. Um, this one was really scary to me. Like I, I definitely was so afraid of Mao going into it. I thought I was so unlucky that I pulled this because it was a five mon mirror and he had Thunderous over Charizard, where normally I think our team is so good in the Sun Mirror. I do think this version is actually like kind of a negative matchup just because he does have Thunderous, who is more positive versus my anti-sun tech of Charizard. So I was a little, and like every single mon had a slight difference. Like he had Thunder Wave, Grimmsnarl, I had Scary Face. Just really small, minute things throughout the team. But when we actually played, everything went to plan. And I, I 2 owed him. And I, like all the lines that I had done, like every single play he'd make, I had accounted for. And I've played three more turns in advance. So I just, the prep just paid off. And I was able to beat him pretty easily. Like I just was prepared for what was coming. And like every single time I knew what to do, like no questions. Like, I was just really confident against Jackson. And then my next opponent, so my next opponent, I was really afraid too, because if I beat Jackson, it meant that I either played Audi or Mark. And so that either meant I would play Audi again, who I'd already lost to in the tour, or I'd play Mark, the guy who Audi just beat, who just played against my same six Pokemon. So like, it was kind of a lose-lose, but um, against Audi, I had a plan and I was ready to go, but it was Mark. So against Mark... I was able to talk to Audi a little bit, like figure out some information about what Audi did. So I knew what Mark would expect. And Mark ended up doing some Metagross, like Tornadus lead that Audi was like, extremely afraid of. And he managed to beat it. So I was like, okay, I assume at this point, Mark is a little bit shaken because he just <laughs> lost to the same six Pokemon. And I know if I was Mark, uh-huh. I'd be so mad to play the same six Pokemon back to back and then to get potentially knocked out by them. So... I played, uh, I just played confidently and I had helped Audi with the matchup. I'd watch Raghav and him run sets. I'd ran sets against the team. So I was just pretty confident overall. So I was able to beat that team. And then after that, I had to play, um, Marco Martinez, also known as Mars. Um, that one was a little bit scary just because it was, he had his Sableye was removed. And I think Sableye, it was a Sableye Charizard kind of centric team. And generally when I play against the team, a lot of the time they lead the Sableye, which I actually think is a little incorrect. Because I think Grimmsnarl, when you lead Grimmsnarl Zard into the Sableye, the Sableye is kind of worthless because you just accept that you're not moving first. But since the Sableye is removed, he never, he couldn't bring it. He only had five Pokemon, which, you know, is kind of scary because if you lose to that, you feel a little bad. But um, that matchup ended up coming down to me hitting Keyblades two turns in a row. And... Uh, I did it. I had to make a godlike read in game three to save myself, and I managed to do it. He gave me a way back in. I hit the P-Blades. I won. That one was the most stressful match. I definitely popped off really hard when I won, just in my apartment by myself. I was really happy with that win. And then I played uh John Evans, and that one was... That matchup was a little hard. It felt like it was very sleep-centric. Like, he had sleep powder, I had sleep powder, but he had yawn, so... It, he was yawning, I was sleep powdering, he was sleep powdering. It was just kind of messy and all over the place. And like ultimately I needed a few sleep turns to go my way to give myself a chance in game one. Um and then like a damage roll too. Like Torkoal, his Torkoal apparently was max special defense, max HP. Um I found this out later. So it lived my two max quakes from Venusaur, which was absolutely insane. Like with a citrus berry. So that that just kind of secured him game one, like just a well-crafted EV spread that, you know, like came up in handy. Mm-hmm. And then in game two, I needed to wake up, uh, either get a first turn or second turn wake, and unfortunately I didn't get it, so I didn't get to force it to a game of three, but it was still a good run, a very exhausting 
tournament, but it was, it was a good run, and I, I was happy with my result, but I wish I could have qualified. Of course, that is a very uh, grueling and taxing run during this tournament, you know, playing several several sets of Pokemon that's like over 10, right? It's 11 or 12 or something. Um, I think it's 12, yeah. Yeah, 12 full rounds of Pokemon there, getting very, very close, and uh, so, Colin, you know, that's a great run there, and you seem pretty... Uh, obviously, we want we would have loved to seen you make global finals here, but um, you seemed happy enough with the result and at least content. You know, you're not. Uh, of course, you want to do well, but sometimes it just yeah. doesn't work in your favor. You know. Yeah, it it's the game we play, and like, um, you know, John he played well, so I can't like at least I didn't lose in like a really like demoralizing you know like unlucky way or something. I lost to someone who played better, so that's always like I'm always content with that. Like. Um, even though I wish it was me, but like, I can't, I can't complain. Hopefully he can represent NA well. Yeah. One thing that was really funny, uh, about the team that has not really been mentioned yet, uh, the, the well-crafted EV spreads, the Incineroar, I actually had a very funny <laughs> moment with this in the, uh, tournament. Uh, the Incineroar was max speed, uh, not like Jolly or whatever, but just like neutral nature max speed, which reaches like a speed stat of 112, um, which is really nice because the team has uh, Scary Face, and so you can Scary Face uh, opposing uh, Shadow Riders or Zations, and your Incineroar will outspeed them, uh, which is actually pretty relevant. It can hit both of those Pokemon super effectively with the moves that we're running, um, just double stab. And uh, I actually had a moment where my Incineroar uh, speed tied an opposing Venusaur. Uh, and like, it ended up being really bad for me, which was like, I, I don't think that that was like a poor choice on our end. I, I'm more upset that the Venusaur was that slow, but it was just really, really funny. Cause like those Pokemon should just not be speed time. Um, but it, it is one cool, uh, aspect that I think is worth mentioning just because like, it's a way that you can kind of, uh, still catch people off guard, uh, during, um, these open team sheet tournaments. Like Colin had mentioned the, uh, max, like, or close to max special defense, whatever, Torkoal, uh, the, you know, very fast Incineroar, these things can uh, mess people's plans up because, um, you know, throwing off damage calcs is actually still really, really strong uh, and a strong way to uh, mess up game plans. So uh, it, it's like, it, it's cool that we still have that even in open team sheets um, to kind of like flex creativity and uh, mix things up. Yeah, that actually happened. So in the tour, um, I played... I think it was against Brendan. I'm not fully sure. But the situation was there was like a Zacian plus like a Moltres or something. And the Zacian was, I had Incineroar and Grimstarl in. And I went for Flare Blitz Scary Face. So the Zacian, um, I moved before the Zacian, uh, knocked it down to like, uh, you know, like 25% HP. I burn. He subs. He's at one HP, dies to burn. Oh I'm faster. God. That was like, that was the best case of like the, the max speed Ensign like really popping off there. That one was like the, the only time like it, I mean, I don't regret running it. Knowing you're faster than every other Ensign is like amazing information, especially in like an open team sheet format. But that was the one time that the max speed was like really, really relevant. Solid stuff. Yeah. So cool, cool things from these sunscreen teams. So. Speaking of uh, these teams, why don't we start jumping into the 16 players who made global finals from each region, and let's just kick it off by going right into uh, North America's players. So we mentioned Jonathan Evans already with the uh, team. It was a Sunrain team of a Kyogre, Torkoal, Tornadus, Metagross, Venusaur, and Grimmsnarl. 
Um, we've seen this team a lot before. I don't think we need to say anything more about it. Colin, you already talked about the match against John a bit. So, um, our other player who came from the losers bracket, who beat Adi, and again that winning in round was uh Michael D'Angelo. So, using a team that we've seen him using in these past uh, victory road tournaments these past few weeks too, with uh, Zashin, Incineroar, Amoongus, Colossal, Urshifu, Rapid Strike, and Dragapult. So. Really cool to see uh, Mike having all the success these past few weeks and really showing that all that work paid off as well for him uh, going into Global Finals here. Uh, like, you can't say this team is a gimmick in any sense of the word or, like, has a... Um, it doesn't seem to have very many, like, bad matchups. You know, this is a tournament where you have to face a wide variety of things. And so uh, Mike has shown that uh, he's able to climb his way to the top of tournaments, it, like, you know, no matter what. So, obviously, this is a very, very strong build. I'm not going to take away from uh, Mike's level of play. I, I haven't actually seen a lot of uh, gameplay from Mike, but uh, you have to be able to uh, play well to make it this far in so many tournaments. So, uh, bravo to Mike. That's really, really crazy. Mike's team is also really cool because, like, um, I've watched him play it a little bit, and, like, I've used it myself, and, like, I've talked to other players who have used it, and they gave me some game plans, and, like, um, I know on this version it was not Scarf Dragapult, but on the first version that he used to top cut the Victory Road Tour was. But uh, this one's more of a Life Orb Drag. It's a it's a Life Orb set. But like the way he plays is like so Dragapultization centric, and it's really cool to watch him. Like it's really hard to play against his team and him, be just because like he really does threaten the other mode that I think some Colossal teams don't do as much. And we're about to get to Joe's team, but like I think both these teams and the reason they are they find success as opposed to the other colossal teams is I think they just expertly play the other legend mode um, that lets them just like really throw off their opponents. Yeah, I think that's really what allows a lot of these uh, colossal teams nowadays to shine is having alternates to ways you can play them rather than just the colossal. Uh, I think after a a year plus of seeing Colossal just dominate, you know, you got to have a game plan for that thing. So people do, and this is just a way to kind of answer that. So you mentioned Joseph Ugarte, who came out from the winner's bracket from North America. And we have a another Colossal team with Dragapult, Colossal, Urshifu, Rapid Strike, Rillaboom, Incineroar, and Joseph's uh, trademark Pokemon, Yveltal. So... <laughs> Uh, it's really cool to just see Joe getting through with the Aveltal and again, more colossal teams, uh, spoiler for some of the later teams we're going to talk about, but a, at least a colossal team came out of three out of the four regions into global finals. So really cool to still see it having success. I mean, nobody should be surprised at this point. Yeah, that, uh, I, I don't know. There's just so much going right for that Pokemon. You know, uh, it, it can get up to the, like, I, I don't know. It's such a high speed that it can be really hard to account for. Um, and then you just like, like we had talked about earlier, that residual damage. Um, I, I've seen a lot of people talk about how uh, sometimes just letting Colossal die turn one to get up Vocalith is enough. And that that's just kind of crazy to me. Obviously, you're doing uh, a pretty high amount of damage too if you're able to get off that weakness policy and go for, you know, a, a 140 power max move in uh, at plus two. But... You're doing that plus setting up this like residual damage that can really, really, really rack up. Uh, and I think one thing that like sets Cole apart from the other ones is uh, I think it has the uh, least um, I, the typing of it is actually re very relevant. You know, like there, there's a decent number of grass Pokemon, a decent number of like actually a lot of fire Pokemon. And so uh, 
um, you know, the rock typing means that you're never uh, getting away with, like, um, taking no damage from it. There, there are very few other rock Pokemon. In fact, the only other uh, rock Pokemon besides Colossal that I'm seeing in NA is Wolf Stunjourner. So, like, <laughs> it, it is absurd that, uh, like, yeah, the thing that Cole does best is just set up that chip, set up that residual. I know that was a thing for, um, like, our team as well. There was a couple matchups, like, specifically against Mao, Jackson Finch, where when I ran some of the, the routes, uh, for example, of, like, the, the options he could do, um, commonly I would switch out my Charizard turn two. I would Wildfire turn one, switch out Charizard turn two. And I did that against him in game two. And I won because I just needed to get Wildfire off. And then I would switch into my Groudon to protect my Charizard just because... You know, it was kind of unorthodox, and he wouldn't necessarily see my see that play coming, just because he's like, "Well, he's just gonna throw the Charizard away. Like, he's just like gonna, you know, risk it." But I would always protect it, and like, and because I just didn't have protect, so the only way to protect it was to switch it Groudon, and that's all I needed to do. Just get one Wildfire, and then I would I would take the I was able to take the win just because of how punishing and how effective it can be if they, you know, um, take those four Wildfire turns. Yeah, it's just like. Uh... That it's just kind of crazy that you can quote unquote like waste your Dynamax, you know, just get one turn mm-hmm. out of it, and that's actually not even a waste. That's and that's enough. Uh, and yep. everything on top of that is just gravy. So, um, yeah, those teams are obviously very strong. Yeah, it totally seems like crazy, like these crazy sacrifice plays where you're still doing damage after you have fainted, and that's not the most common thing we see. Uh, it has been these past year and a half, but. It's so cool to just see these moves. Maybe it isn't so cool. I don't know yet. But let's get on, get into our other uh, and last player from North America from the winner's bracket, Alec Rubin, uh, Namco Pro, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I believe that's the username Alec uh, goes by nowadays. And so uh, we got a team of uh, Calyrex Ice, Incineroar, DD Female, Mimikyu, Torkoal, and Venusaur. A uh, very cool team. Um... I, I just, like, want to mention it really quick. I think Pato used a very similar six in the last VR team, or VR tour, uh, the VR5. Uh, just, like, the, I don't know. It's just a, uh, what what can you say? It's an Ice Rider Mimikyu build with uh, a Sun Mode. This is a team that we've kind of been seeing uh, around lately, just the, the Incineroar Mimikyu version. You know, you side Shadow Sneak for weakness policy. And, uh, like, this is pretty much what, uh, Hard Trick Room looks like right now, I guess, is what you could say. You know, you have the, the Venusaur mode to go around that, but, uh, Calyrex, if you're able to set it up in Trick Room, can run through teams. Yeah, and I think, like, the thing about, um, one thing that I noticed is, like, uh, I, I know a lot of people complain about Sun or talk about Sun's relevancy, like, especially for the past year, we've had a, you know, it's been, it's been pretty sunny. But I think one thing important to note about the Players' Cup specifically is that it is open team sheet. And, like, I think Sun actually is better in open team sheet than it is in best of three or best of one. Just because you know where the goggles are and you know where the lumberries are. So, like, the sleep powders are basically guaranteed. You can set up plans and make situations that are just so, so, like, so much easier to play. Because both opponents have perfect information. So, like... um Against, like, even Jackson, I was able to safety goggles, uh, or sleep powder some slots just because I knew that, um, his Incineroar was on the field. So if I sleep powdered his Thunderous, there was nothing he could do to switch it in unless he had Venusaur on the back. And in that case, Venusaur was KO'd. So I knew either Thunderous or Groudon was going to sleep. There's nothing he could do to stop me. And I think, like, it makes a lot of sense to see, like, you know, Venusaur Torkoal slept on Alex's team. It just seemed kind of random, but, like, 
It, I just think that Sun is so, so much better in open team sheets specifically. And I think like, it just, like knowing that Venusaur is there is a really scary thing. And it makes Alex's team even scarier to play because he could lead, you know, the trick room mode or he could Sun mode you and you have to respect both. And sometimes that's almost impossible to cover. Yeah, also crazy how just open information versus closed information can feel like two completely different games, but still Pokemon, fundamentally, I guess. But uh, yeah, I think you make a really great point about how just having that open information knows you're not wasting any of your sleep powder attempts into slots that there aren't any items blocking those attempts, right? You know where those are, you can avoid them, and like you said, make those game plans. So those are our four... Global finalists represent, represented from uh, North America here. Uh, also, just want to take note here, not that this matters too much, but uh, four different restricteds here. Yveltal, Calyrex, Ice, Zashin, and Kyogre. Uh, which is in... Yeah, it's, Go ahead. I was going to say, it's just like, it's pretty cool that we're able to see uh, so many different restricteds uh, shine. Like, I think throughout, though, we, we see a largely, like, I think the only, like, one-off restricted we see is... Oh, there's, like... Actually, there's only a couple of uh, one-off restricteds. Let's see. Duskmane, Solgaleo, and then there's two Dialga and Palkia. Otherwise, you're seeing a lot of the more common ones. Um, I guess in Eveltal making it through... Uh... Wait, didn't multiple make Eveltals make it through? I think mm, Joe's might be the Joe's, only one. Joe is the only one of the three. Um, but yeah, we, we, we've kind of got like a, a big five established between um, like Shadow Rider, Zacian, the Kyogre Groudon, and uh, Ice Rider. Um, but like Ice Rider, um, Eveltal, they're kind of just hanging out right next to each other. It's crazy to see those two make it through despite there being, um, a lot more usage from, say, uh, Groudon and Kyogre and, uh, and Shadow Rider. Not, neither Shadow Rider nor Groudon made it through NA. But I think we'll see a bit of them from other regions, so. Oh yeah, we definitely do. Ooh, spoilers. Yeah, so <laughs> that, uh, you know, that restricted diversity among those four is, uh, in, Contrast to Europe, which actually has uh, three Groudon and one Zacian. Well, let's get started with uh, Europe's teams here, our four global finalists here. First off, from the winner's bracket, we have Frances Francesco Piopero with Groudon Incineroar, Charizard, Venusaur, Umbreon, and Regieleki. Um This team also comes from Leonardo Bonanomi, uh, same six. So I don't know if, if these are the exact same six. I would assume probably yes, because they're both from the same country, Italy. And, you know, we've seen this team before, you know, Umbreon works well in the sun with the moonlight, with the yawn, being so bulky, and uh, just uh, really annoying those special attackers. But, you know, this uh, team is similar enough to your two teams, and we got a dark type, and then some uh, other filler in there. But, you know, what do you two think of these, this, these, t this team coming out from winners in Europe? Um, so this is the kind of team that I really wanted to beat, because I saw a lot of it on high ladder on showdown so i had played against this team like <laughs> way too many times to even count mm -hmm. um and i i just felt like it was it was like the standard sun version of like team you could run going into the tour um i know paul chua ran the same six as well in na he got to the second day of or second week of play as well and like i just think it's a really solid potent team i know our team actually had umbreon as well over incineroar so like this team uh, it's, it's a pretty similar team to ours, but like we had Umbreon, but then the Ice Rider matchup was a little too difficult. So, uh, ultimately we swapped out the cool creative Umbreon for, you know, the 60% usage in Cinnaroar God. <laughs> and so, 
we I, I think Umbreon is really cool if you're able to fit it on. And I think like obviously they still have Incineroar, so they can still fight Ice Rider. But I, I do think that it is a it's like the it's just so solid. Like I think if you're using this team, like you're just confident in your play and these guys probably just played well and you know, that's that's how I view it as like this is this is like a, a very skill based team and like they just had a really good day and they played really really well to get to the to where they got. Yeah, there's one of those well-rounded teams, like I had said. Like, it's just, you know, they're here to play Pokemon, and you have to deal with it. Um, really quick, I'll mention my, uh, my, I guess, what do you say? Viewpoint? Something like that. The way that I saw the uh, the team that we used for Players' Cup come together was, uh, like, I thought that, uh, I guess the way I would tell the story, is um, Raghav and I were hanging out in call, and we saw this team, and I said to Raghav, like, well, you know, this team is very strong, and so... Maybe we should just try doing this, but with our own sets, our own version of it. And so um, I think we were looking at the Grimmsnarl version, the uh, the version that you see uh, from Raphael Busutil, um, who also made it through in the loser side uh, with a Grimmsnarl replacing the Incineroar. And so, um, you know, Raghav and I were like, okay, like, how would we build this so that it wins the mirror? And just, you know, with our own preferences. And so, um, you know, we put weakness policy on Venusaur. Uh, I'm not sure if all of them are running that or not. And then we took the Aleki off and put on Porygon 2. And that was the six that we ran through with for most of the, the prep until quite the last minute when, in, as Colin had mentioned, the Umbreon was changed for Incineroar. And so uh, this is... And then, of course, we ran the Assault Vest Charizard because we wanted to be able to beat the other Sun teams. Um that was, uh, I guess, my brief version of it, but yeah, definitely check out um, the uh, YouTube videos that will come out at some point detailing uh, more of the team's construction uh, from Colin and Adi, and uh, th- those will be on their YouTube channels respectively at some point. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was like just the the way that our team came to be versus like these, but yeah, these have been around. This is like just like a very, very strong sun build that... Um, yeah, I guess like it's just here to play Pokemon. Like I said, you know, they they are not going to try to do anything too cheesy. Besides, maybe go for Sleep Powder a bunch in a negative matchup. <laughs> but other than that, you know, you it's pretty plain on paper what it's trying to do, and you just have to be able to withstand it. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. I think I personally, I think our version's a little bit better. But I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little biased. I'm a little biased. No, I I 100 agree. But the results don't lie, though. It sucks. Uh, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, well, a result that doesn't suck is another colossal coming out of uh, Europe here, <laughs> and that's from Roberto Peretti from Italy. And this one is uh, Colossal Zacian with Rillaboom, Urshifu Rapid Strike. I'm assuming Landris Therian and Dragapult. So. We have another variant with uh, this Landris uh, on this team. I think we've seen this uh, these six before as well. So maybe Roberto was in one of those victory road tournaments. I can't remember at this point. But I do remember seeing these six. And Colin, like you mentioned, like, this is another Colossal team that seems like it has options outside of Colossal, which uh, makes it very potent. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I think even the Landris is another more obvious max as well. So it has, like, potentially three to four maxes that could be, like, and Rillaboom and Urshifu are both like, really good situational maxes. They're not really great, like, if they're your primary, but, like, there's certain situations where Rillaboom is just popping off or Shifu can, like, really just secure an endgame being able to break through max guard. So, I think, like, 
this is one of those teams that, like, I think Roberto just came to the tournament and said, I'm going to play Pokemon, and you're going to have to deal with my Colossal. Um, so I think I think Colossal is really scary in Team Preview because you almost always have to respect it, whether they lead it or not. Like, you have to come a little bit prepared. Otherwise, you're just going to get run over by the Volcolith. And that is Europe's teams. So we have our four players from Europe going to the Global Finals here. Let's move on to our next region, which is in Latin America. And I forgot to mention this at the top, but everybody, we're looking at the finalist teams. These uh from the region qualifiers on Nimbasa City Post for Pokemon Players Cup 3. You can find these all there. So anyway, let's get back to Latin America and start off with Alberto Daza. And this has a Calyrex Shadow team. Oh, this is the one with the Regigigas. The, uh, that Regigigas, <laughs> Weezing, Rillaboom, Urshifu, and Thunderous. Uh, Alex, do you remember which Urshifu this one is? This is uh, dark. This is a darker Shifu. Gotcha. This is a dark one. This is a single strike one. And uh, Alex, I'm sure you're happy seeing this. Yeah, don't worry. I've already checked the team out in full, got the details. Like, I was like, I got to try this for myself. Um, I'm not trying to, like, steal the thunder, but, like, yeah, me and uh, me and Kunal were, like, we built this, like, day one. Like, I don't think we had Thunderous, but we had, like, everything else because uh, this is very close uh, to what I was using in uh, the last Players' Cup. And uh, we Shadow Rider, specifically, the cool thing about its interaction with Weezing is that you get to have uh, the As-1 ability despite neutralizing gas. It does not get turned off. And uh, that can be relevant for, you know, making sure that they don't get to use their berries or they uh, that you're still getting boost when you take KOs. Um, it's it's really fun. Um, and I, I, like, I think it makes a bit of sense on a uh, Gigas team just because um, it is a very fast spread move using Pokemon that cleans up endgames that uh, Regigigas and Weezing can uh, create for you by softening up the whole opposing team. Um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, it's just very, very fun. Uh, I definitely recommend people uh, try it if they're able to get a, their hands on the uh, the paste whenever that comes out or the open team sheet version. It's it's uh, a very fun team. Colin, really quickly, I just want to see get your thoughts on the Weezing Regigigas team. Um, I think what's really cool about Weezing, too, is, like, specifically... I think Weezing is, like, such an incredible Pokemon. It's just so... It has so much depth that I don't think a lot of Pokemon have. Like, you have to just think of the game in a way that's, like, completely different from the way you normally think of it. Just because, like, abilities are always on. So, like, I, I find myself slipping up, like, um, when I'm practicing. Uh, like, I'll sometimes, like, switch an Ensign or lead Grimmsnarl into Weezing. And, like... I'm just like, oh, I just lost. I led Prankster into Weezing. I'm getting taunted, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so I think, like, if you're not on, like, sometimes the Weezing can slip you up. But also, like, tons of Pokemon rely on your on their abilities. Just, like, um, that team obviously is catered, so, like, the abilities aren't as important. But, like, you know, Colossal. Colossal just can't activate Steam Engine with, with Weezing on the field. Charizard's not setting up Sun. Kyogre's not setting up Rain. Like, the list goes on and on. Almost all Pokemon, like that are really meta and really relevant are good because their abilities are good. So Weezing just completely shutting that off forces unorthodox plays. So it's not surprising that Weezing, especially in a legendary format, is able to kill it here. And I think Ridge Gigas is the perfect partner. So I think this team makes a lot of sense. And like, it is really fun, but it's also just really like smart just because I think Weezing is so good and so underexplored and so deep. I think so too. Like you mentioned it being a perfect partner with Ridge Gigas, like, uh, Alex mentioned how, you know, it doesn't shut off Calyrex Shadow, so it's technically, technically it's a good partner for that too, to bo- bother the opponent at least, so, um, mm-hmm. 
Great, great, like, uh, little trio there, and then the supporting cast, too. So, while Alberto came from the winner's bracket, uh, Alberto was from Mexico, as the flag indicates, but uh, Alejandro was the other player who came from the winner's bracket from Chile with another Shadow Rider team, also with Indeedy Female, Umbreon, Rotom Heat, Whimsicott, and Thunderous. So, uh, we're re- we've been seeing, uh, we've got some Shadow Riders team here, we got some more in Oceania coming up, so... This uh, Pokemon is really showing its stuff uh, much later in this format uh, as we've gotten more time to develop with it for this Pokemon Players Cup. We didn't see much of it often in the beginning um, because it was so tech heavily against, but now we're seeing it really coming into fruition with all these different builds. It's really cool. One thing that the uh, Shadow Riders uh, teams always cheated at is they run two electric types, man. They almost always run those (laughs) two electric types. Uh, I I think it's often to like cover for, uh, I guess, like Eveltal. Um, and as well as Rotom Heat and Thunderous are just great, uh, matchup Pokemon. They do very well against specific things. I guess you could say they do very well against Sun and Rain, respectively. Um, and it's not that Shadow Rider is necessarily bad into those, it's just the extra help doesn't hurt. Um, otherwise, yeah, this is just kind of one of those Shadow Rider teams that we've been seeing very dangerous, very potent. Um, and, uh, I definitely would feel nervous going up against. Yeah, I, I like, I... I've spent sometimes, uh, some time using these teams and like, they're just so aggressive. And if your reads are on, like, usually the team requires you to make some, you know, like risky reads or correct leads. Um, but if you're on, like, those teams are just absolutely insane to play against. They're so difficult, especially because most likely, I don't know for sure, but like most of the Whimsicots are eject button. So there's just so much extra pressure on you that if you mess up, like, your Dynamax could be eject buttoned out which is usually the case with the Shadow Rider teams, just to get through even more rough matchups. I think the teams are finally, like, the Shadow Rider itself is finally starting to find, like, its home and, like, its uh, its standardish team. So, like, now Shadow Rider is being more fully explored than it was at the beginning. Because I thought it was good, but we just, like, I know in the early tournaments, like, the first tour, like, no one had one. So, like, um, I think we're finally starting to see some Shadow Rider goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it. So... The next player is Orlando Luna from Peru, and these six are actually the same as uh, Rafael Busutil from the Europe region. I don't know if they work together, but it's the same six Pokemon of the Groudon, Charizard, Umbreon, Grimmsnarl, Venusaur, and Regieleki. So, uh, again, seems to be just another sunscreen team, and we've gone in depth on this a ton this episode already. So, unless you two have more thoughts, let's move on to Gabriel Agati. Yeah, yeah. Ag- Agati's <laughs> got that Salamence. I just, I still don't understand it. I don't either. Do you know what it does? I actually have no idea. So, uh, as far as I remember, um, I think it's a Life Orb set with, like, Dragon Fly, like, Outrage, I think, Dual Wing Beat, <laughs> Rock Slide, and Protect. Do you know the ability? Uh, I think it's Intimidate. I think okay. it's not Moxie. I think it's just Intimidate, and so... It functions like a Landorus, which we did see um, this same uh, set of Pokemon in the Europe region from uh, Roberto Peretti with a Landorus over the Salamence. And so it functions a bit like the Landorus in that it gives you an Intimidate Pokemon that is floating, except that it does maybe a little bit better into Charizard. You run the Rock move on it, you're forcing a Speed Tie, you resist Wildfire, um... Yeah, that's that's all I got for you. I don't still, I still don't totally understand it. Uh, I guess we should read the six really quick. It's got uh, Zacian Salamence, Rillaboom, Colossal, Urshifu, Water, and Dragapult. 
the Solomons is like the coolest part, but yeah, I, I think it, maybe it's just like more positive versus sun, but like you do have colossal, so that always helps. Um, but also just giving intimidate, like I think intimidate's just such a good ability, um, which uh, ironically, this is the only intimidator in the Latin American region, um, outside of like, I guess you could count Grimstrong with his screens, but like intimidate's just such a valuable ability, and I think maybe it just adds some better typing than like because Landers Rillaboom is like. It's a pet peeve of mine. I, I never like to see it on teams, but this way you're not adding that grassy terrain to hurt your your max or your your landris, where you just have Solomon's instead. So mm-hmm. I I think that's its main goal, and just to spam intimidate. Yeah, I could buy that. I could buy that synergy a little bit. You know, it makes a little bit more sense with the Salmons. I still, I guess I still don't really understand it, but I'm hoping we see some kind of version of this in global finals because I want to see more. But. That is the, those are the four players from the Latin America region who made it into the global finals. And really cool, this was uh, another colossal team coming out from this one. So we had, I think, two from North America, one from Europe, and also one from Latin America. Again, all these players can change teams in the, for the global finals, but we'll see what people end up bringing. I mean, it's not that far off where they have to play in it, so maybe they won't change, but again, that's still a few weeks away here. So let's move on to the Oceania teams. We have first from the winner's bracket. All these players are coming from Australia here. And our first one is, uh, apologies for any mispronunciations of this name, these names here. But we have, uh, Yo Ruben. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but we have, uh, Zashin, Landorus, Lapras, Incineroar, Amungus, and Regialucky. So for the two of you, you know, I don't have much to say about this. Like this is one of the <laughs> most classic lapdog teams we've seen. Yeah, it's a day one lab dog build. Um, Regieleki wasn't always on there, but it's just like pick your electric type: Zapdos, Thunderous, Regieleki, uh, and there you have it. Um, <laughs> surely, like there are some maybe like you know the choices are of course important. Is the Landorus you know Lumberry? Is it Assault Vest? Is the Incineroar wearing the Assault Vest? Does it have some type of berry or goggles? You know, does the Amoongus choose to have Pollen Puff or like an actual attacking move? Um, does Lapras run Parish, Helping Hand, Life Orb, or Thunder? And, you know, th- there's, like, flavor choices. But other than that, they all play similar-ish. I mean, like, those choices definitely change the game. But, yeah, it- it's a Lapdog team. Yeah, I I, I think it's the, almost the same six as Fevzi, except, obviously, Fevzi had Coco. But, like, Fevzi and Feist both said that Coco was garbage and that they would rag- rather use Regieleki. So it just seems like the like the day one lapdog team slightly improved and i think it's good it lets you play pokemon how you want to play you got intimidate you got rage powder you got zation so <laughs> and you got screens it just gives you a ton of good tools so it makes sense to see it this high especially like just a quick gloss through like a lot of the teams are like la- uh like the teams in that cut were like um kyogre centric a-, a bunch of zations and i think lapdog does do pretty well into itself and also, like, into Kyogre specifically, if you play the Lapras and Aleki well. So it makes sense that it made it this deep. Absolutely. So Yov came from out of the winner's bracket, and also out of the winner's bracket is James Maney. With the Solgaleo team and Incineroar, Moltres, Galar, Zapdos, Kanto, Spectreer, and Grimmsnarl. So there's a, a lot... Oh, this, this looks very familiar, too. I know we've talked about this in the past before. Yeah, no, this is like very much the day one Pato uh, Sogaleo team from the uh, the first tournament of the format, really, the Joe UX9 tour. Um, can't remember if it, what it was called, Joe UX9 2, something like that. X9 League, yeah, thanks. So. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> and so Pato had a Solg team very similar to this. They doubled down on the birds uh, with uh, Moltres and Zapdos. Um, but other than that, yeah, uh, they've got three dark types. They are very ready for Shadow Rider. <laughs> um, I, and other than that, um, yeah, Solgaleo is like a pretty solid Pokemon into... Um, most everything that isn't like Kyogre, in my opinion, like, um, it can do, and then I guess Charizard, Kyogre and Charizard are the things that scare me most when I have Solgaleo, and, um, if you have other options to cover for the Kyogre, whether it's like Snarl and Spectrier, Light Screen on Grimmsnarl, or, you know, the Zapdos, um, you know, you can definitely manage the Ogre, and it doesn't seem like there's any Charizard here, so... <laughs> Uh, not a single Charizard uh, that I can see in the top 16 of uh, Oceania. So, um, yeah, sometimes they run the rock move, too. And if Grimmsnarl has a speed controlling move like Thunder Wave or Scary Face, maybe that's a matchup there for Charizard. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, a very it's just like a well-rounded Pokemon. It's just Metagross Plus. It has like 50, it has 50 more HP, which makes it considerably, considerably bulkier. Um, and you've got a solid Pokemon on your hand. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. I... I don't know how I feel about the Ogre matchup, just because, like, I know originally Pato had Rotom Wash, so this looks like a much more difficult Ogre matchup. Um, but outside of that, it looks like a pretty solid team. I feel like that's just Solgaleo's issue, though. But you can always tech a lot of cool things, like potentially Speed Control. You could have Wild Charge. You could have Trick Room. You could have Wide Guard. There's cool techs you can run. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And from the loser's bracket, we have Christopher Egan. With a Calyrex Ice Team, and Incineroar, Mimikyu, Amoongus, Tyranitar, and Dracozolt. So, looks like a pretty classic uh, Calyrex Ice Trick Room mode, and then you have Tyranitar and Dracozolt there at the end. So, we don't see Dracozolt too often, so that's really cool to see. Uh, I don't know if it's Sandrush, or what's the other one? Hustle usually has it. Do you two know? It is, it is Sandrush. It is Sandrush, cool. So... That's a pretty unique, you know, different form of speed control fast mode that we don't, we just do not see. We're usually just seeing, you know, sun or rain. And now we have a sand team, you know, making it through the global finals. Admittedly, though, that duo seems pretty all right into opposing weather. You know, you can kind of try to keep Kyogre uh, with uh, in check with the strong bolt beak or a max electric if you have to. Uh, same thing with a Charizard on a uh, sun team. Um Maybe it doesn't do too well into Groudon, um, but, you know, Groudon's covered by the Ice Rider. You know, I guess this is just a different way of using that classic electric ice coverage that I definitely had not thought of. Um, you know, uh, Dracozolt, uh, I mean, in those uh, those double damaging, uh, whatever, Ficious Ren moves, uh, they're obviously really strong. So I guess that's one way to do it. I know I watched, so I watched... Um... Sam Pandelis was actually streaming his run of the uh, loser's bracket, and this was his final round opponent, and obviously uh, Christopher won. And I remember watching, like, the Dragons were putting on so much pressure on the Kyogre. Like, it was because uh, Sam specifically had Thunder Kyogre, so there was no Ice Beam. So the Dragons was just, like, just running through everything. The only real answer that Sam had was Venusaur. So I think it's just, like, a kind of cool take on beating the Kyogre-type teams and just, like, putting so much pressure with the uh, the fossil Pokemon. Yeah, also just, like, really solid typing, good resistances. So, Dracozolt, seeing it get into, get through these uh, region qualifiers from Oceania is really cool. Maybe we'll see it in Global Finals. I don't know yet. But let's get to our last player, but not the least, from the loser's bracket is Daniel Quick with a Calyrex Shadow Team. Also, Mianxiao in DD Female, 
Whimsicott, Cinderace, and Thunderous. So, a lot of uh, classic Pokemon that kind of pair together with Calyrex Shadow nowadays. And then we also just have uh, Cinderace too. So, helping out the helping out the team. I think this is uh, Pato's team with a Cinderace over the Dracovish. Yep. And, yeah, um, that is right. Man, this is funny just to see how many teams... Uh, Pato has been going off in Series 8. <laughs> Pato has uh, got a lot of influence um, on the metagame, and so um, I don't know. I don't even know if Pato played in the tournament or not. Um, uh, but unfortunate to not see Pato in the finals, since uh, he is an incredible player. Anyway, um, yeah, this team uh, I guess trades the Dracovish for Cinderace, which is like a very strong uh, Dynamax Pokemon that can uh, support Calyrex in that it. Um, can use like max dark to lower spadef um you're kind of scared of bringing your uh incineroar when they have a thunderous and uh yeah i don't know it, otherwise it's just a like a, a very threatening pokemon we don't see much anymore but um it still does the same things that it did back then uh just libero max moves are really really strong it's also just like a very hyper aggressive team. Like I think the Cinderace almost makes it more aggressive, just because since Dracovish isn't there, like Cinderace is just going, like it's just popping off with the max. It gives you another like good secondary max because I felt like Pato either had to max his Shadow Rider or his Thunderous. This gives you like a potential third option, especially depending on the Calyrex's item. Because I know some teams don't really plan to max it that often, and they just run like Sash. I've seen some in prison sets as well. So I think like. Um, it just makes a lot of sense here, and I think this just looks like a really, like, if you're on that day, making the reads you need to make, like, you're going to go deep, and Daniel proved that. Just, like, I believe there's another Shadow Rider team I said that about, but that's just how I feel. Like, if those teams are making reads, like, you're going to go real deep into the tournament because they're just so oppressive. Yeah, that is a very aggressive team. So, those are, we just covered all the 16 teams plus more of uh, who made, who's making it into the global finals here for Pokemon Players Cup 3. So once again, just to quickly recap, from North America, Joe Ugarte, Alec Rubin, Michael D'Angelo, and Jonathan Evans. And from Europe, we have Francesco Piopiero, Leonardo Bononomi, Roberto Peretti, and Rafael Busutil. From Latin America, we have Alberto Daza, Alejandro Diaz, Orlando Luna, and Gabriel Agati. And Oceania, Jov Rubin, James Maney, Christopher Egan, and Daniel Quek. Now, for our listeners out there, in our notes, I have a little thing that says Players' Cup Trivia. So, Colin and Alex do not know what I'm going to ask here, but this should be an easy layup for the both of you. Now, for any of our non-sports fans out there, that is a basketball reference. But, here's my question for this trivia. For, out of all three Players' Cup Global Finals, there have only been three players who have made it qualified multiple times. Who are those three players? Oh, like qualify. Okay, so I know, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, David Kutesh is one. And Joe, right? Joe is the other one. And then, is it just Agati? It's gotta be Agati, huh? Yeah. I think so. Very good. So, uh, I looked through the results of the first Players' Cup and the second Players' Cup. I couldn't find any other matching names, so I believe those are the three who have qualified multiple times. Uh, David and Joe have both made it to two different ones, and as we know, Agati is just one of the best Players' Cup players getting through Global Finals for all three. Incredible, incredible. Major props to him and just to, you know, those three players. Like, these, uh, as we've seen, these are hard play- hard tournaments to get through. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very different though next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. 
yeah, speaking of which, uh, that moves us on from the trivia to Pokemon Players Cup 4. And by golly, that's next week. That's going to be next week already. That <laughs> online competition is starting. Uh, you know what's funny? <laughs> I, uh, I was doing some research into this too. I think that Japan's uh, nationals, so the online competition that qualifies into that is was scheduled for this weekend before the Players Cup 4 stuff was announced. So we just they just kind of lumped them together, and now we're going to yes. be competing in this really difficult tournament with Japan players going much uh, harder than normally they would, and they're really they're already really skilled. And then we have the rest of the world too competing for the Players Cup 4 qualifications. So that is going to be a crazy weekend that April 9th through 11th or whatever it is. The heat is really going to be on for this one. And I do agree with you, Steven. I think that it was just like they wanted to just keep them together. I don't really mind it, though. I mean, if we can get the Players' Cups to happen a bit more often than this, like, four-month cycle, uh, that sounds good by me. Um, I know that we've kept you here for quite a bit of time, uh, Colin, but if you had any, like, thoughts just on, like, the, the some of the new things that are being brought to Players' Cup 4, uh, we'd love to hear them, since this is just so interesting to talk <laughs> about. So I know when I first saw the news, I was really... Um... I was really frustrated that they put it this weekend, actually, because we have the stream. So, like, obviously, you want to watch that. We have the now we have the Players Cup like for qualifier, but also it really sucks for the sixteen players who qualified because they will be playing this weekend that weekend as well. So, all three of those events are going on. Um, if you don't count the stream, just two events. But like, I'm really curious to see what they're gonna do for those 16 players because they're gonna have to be playing in the in the final bracket stage, doing all that on that Saturday, and then also that weekend they have to find time in between that to qualify to play in Players Cup four if they want to do that. So I thought the planning was like <laughs> really unfortunate. Like, obviously, if you're not one of the 16 players, it's not a huge deal, but it is kind of I think frustrating for those uh, 16 players. And then also, um, what I find interesting is, so obviously the Japanese players are going to be going a little bit harder this time. I think that will lower the NA and all the all the um, the cutoff limit just because like I think they're just going to perform worse due to the Japanese playing better. But I also think there could be the opposite of that happening because now, obviously, there's money on the line. People are more excited. So I could see people trying extra hard this time to qualify. And maybe the bracket, the bar goes up. I'm really not sure. The bar might just stay the same because both things are happening. The Japanese are defeating us. But then, like, we're trying harder. So then, like, the bar ends up at 1650 again, whatever it may be. But it is really interesting, like, to throw in. Because um, I, I do think a lot of the Japanese players do try really hard because... I know they're always the ones who win it, and they're always at the top. Um, even in the past Players' Cup, we noticed that there's, like, out of the 1,000, uh, I think if you're in the top 1,000 rankings, you're usually good enough to qualify for the NA Players' Cup just because there are so many players from other regions doing well. So it's really, it'll be really interesting to see where the bar ends uh, this time around. Yeah, very curious to see that. And, you know, those global finalists are just, I guess they're just kind of have to, gonna have to double dip. I don't think TPCI is just gonna give them a pass and be like, well, you four are playing global finals, so we're gonna let you into the, you know, Players Cup four. <laughs> that's what Swiss. I was gonna suggest. Like, that's, I think that's silly. Like, no, you can't do that. Uh, maybe they, mm. I, I don't know. I feel, oh gosh, that's, so, that's, that sounds, that's, that's messy. That's what I was gonna suggest. It's, it feels weird to take away four spots from each region, but like, uh, I, I gotta wonder, though, that this makes me think that this maybe was like a uh, TPCI Game Freak kind of like disconnect. Like they were just like, well, 
I I don't know. I mean, does Game Freak even choose when these tournaments are being run? I don't. Ugh. But like, it just I wonder why there was like um this weird planning. Why this like happened in the first place? I feel like it's got to be some kind of disconnect. I think it could be, or they just like didn't even think they're like, oh yeah, let's start doing this now, and they just didn't think like, oh yeah, maybe these guys wanted to play. <laughs> <laughs> I could see them just kind of like, cause like it is only sixteen players, so like. Do you want to change the whole schedule for 16 people? I think it'd be easy to just give them invites, but who knows what they'll do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Colin, I know, sadly, you'd probably want to be playing Global Finals, but now there's no debate. You can just play <laughs> in the Players' Cup for Qualifier. So yep. um, there's no nothing to worry about there in that regard. But, uh, yeah, it's, we'll see what these uh, players do playing Global Finals and maybe Players' Cup for maybe Qualifier. Maybe the play is to... Uh, you know, if you're out early, you get more time to compete in the qualifier. <laughs> so, uh, again, like, because when you think about it, uh, fifth place for this global finals is walking away with nothing, just like the first two Players' Cups. And that's different for Players' Cup 4, where all the global finalists at least get something for getting there. So, we'll see. Yeah. I think the money is definitely, like, super exciting, just because even if you make it there now, I think you're guaranteed money so it's really exciting um just because like you know who knows when events are coming back who knows if you'll even be playing pokemon but money is money so if you get money you get to keep that so i think that's kind of exciting um it makes sense more sense to me than giving out the free trips and then it also like what i think is really important about the money is that like before when you got top four in the tour you were kind of playing just for honor and being able to say you were the champion but now you're paying for money so like I think before, I'm not going to say anyone threw or anything, but like, you know, deep down, their motivations might have dropped a little once they got top four because they knew they've gotten, they've gotten the free trip and they came what they, they've won what they came for. But now, like, top finals and stuff will mean a little bit more just because I'm sure they wanted to win, but like, it will mean a little bit more just because they are actively playing for more money or, you know, more pride as well. So I'm, I'm excited for this change and I think it will create a more competitive tour throughout or even just like people who lose right away. I know I talked to Joe and he said in the first players cup, like, you know, he kind of was really like when he lost his first round, it was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. This is hard. I'm not even winning any prizes. It's hard to like, build your morale back up but now like even if you win one more game you're getting more money so i think it will just create a more competitive players cup final and that's always a good thing in my opinion extra incentive is not a bad thing that's for sure yeah uh colin i want to ask one more thing uh just about the players cup and uh just uh the thoughts on them bringing back swiss i think so double elimination is is just brutal like i think i i know for me, I experienced hour-long waits in there just because, like, I'd finished a little bit quicker. My bracket went faster. There was this crazy moment where I was messaging Ragov, like, while I was playing, like, you know, during the run, not while I was playing, but, like, during the run. And uh, he told me he had lost. And I was like, all right, um, you know, like, good luck in your next round. And I ended up finishing it. I'm like, yo, how'd you do? And he's like, oh, I haven't played yet. Like, I finished my tour before him. Oh, I think man. he waited around four. He waited around four hours because he just lost at a really unoptimal time that caused this like huge wait. But like double elimination is so brutal just because like he was out of the mood, out of the like, you know, the heat of the moment. So like he did end up winning after the four hour break. But like, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen. Like I think um, I obviously was in the loser side of things. So I was basically playing nonstop outside of that one hour wait I had. But I know Ragov had a four hour wait and that's just like brutal for your your mental and just like uh your endurance for the tournament it's just 
like rough. So Swiss is really nice because you're kind of playing at a pretty nice tempo. You're playing the whole time. Um, and also like I, in my opinion, the way Pokemon should be played is X and two cut always. I think Pokemon has a little bit too much variance that like when you're doing not X and two cut, I think sometimes you don't always necessarily get the best players. And like sometimes people can get a little bit unlucky. Um, so like obviously there there are players who deserve like the players who make it do deserve it but I do think like X and two can truly find like most of the best players most of the time so like I I heard it's not X and two cut but it's like pretty close I think there's a couple people who miss at X and two it's gonna um, be like around a lot well this is assuming a two fifty six but it's like if there will be eighteen seven and twos eleven make it seven don't yeah so, so like that's a little like, bit more than half that's a little sad to me just because I think like. There's nothing you can do to control resistance, so these kind of formats do frustrate me a little bit just because, you know, I've played this game so long. I've dealt with the resistance, and, like, I've been on the, the right side of things where I've won a tournament due to resistance, like Top Cut, and I've been on the bad side where I'm ninth or eight. And it feels bad, and, like, there's nothing you can do to control who you're playing. But Swiss is a good step just because it does allow, potentially, for you to lose two games, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very excited on stream. I just popped off when I saw the Swiss just because double elimination is so stressful, too, because it's just basically, like, if you lose, if you lose twice, you're done. If you lose once, you're you're really close to to getting eliminated. And th- and also, like I think for a lot of players, this is like Sword and Shield added a lot of new players, and like I interact with them a lot on stream, and like they just want to play games. And I think Swiss is a perfect way for newer players who, you know, who have qualified and they've never played in a big tour because of the pandemic. Like this is such a great way for them to get experience and just to learn like what it's like to play in a tour. And like it really sucks in players' cup when they just go o two and they're done. But now with Swiss, like, as long as they don't drop, they have the option to just keep playing and just keep learning and, like, get more tournament experience than normal. And I think sometimes that's something, like, you know, I, I don't really care about. Because if I go 2 I'm going to drop, or 3 I drop. But some players might, you know, like, get, get valuable experience out of it just because they're newer to the game. We'll have uh, more contention games, too, you know. You know the, those yeah, players that hype. make it to 5-2. Uh, and two. Uh, would normally be out and uh, five and two. Those are still competitive games. Those are still like uh, some of the like you're still playing against people who have had a very good tournament run. So, um, you know, at that point of the tournament, you're still going to be getting some very good practice, even if like you're only playing for the chance of cut and no guarantee. It's still like something that I uh, miss about Swiss and I'm happy to see it come back. I also think another really important thing is like when we're cutting to top 16, I believe they seed us again. And they refresh everyone's tournament life. Like, so we, everyone starts on equal footing, I believe, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're all going to be started. So it's a double <laughs> that part's really bracket. weird. It becomes a double limb bracket and you play like two weeks later. The two week wait is really um, silly. I don't, I don't like that it's a two week <laughs> wait. Just, it, it's just a little bit too much. Um, just cause like I experienced a one week wait and I did a lot of prep and a lot of practice, but, uh, it was like a little bit, I started to second guess myself. I started overthinking things. It started to get really crazy. But uh, I think two weeks is a little much. Um, but I do think that the, it's really nice that you get even footing just because like in the past, like for this tour, for example, like I had to win four matches in a row and like the people in winner's bracket had to win two. And like, obviously like they earned it. They won more than I did. But like, it's just still kind of like a, a silly system. Like I, I always like the, just because I think Pokemon is so... There's, a, there's an element of luck, so I think that the bracket or, like, the elimination factor of a tournament should account for that. And I think, like, resetting everyone's bracket or everyone's uh, seating and, like, standing is great. You still get rewarded because you're playing, like, easier players, um, kind of. But it's everyone's in the same footing again, and now it's up to you to just play well on that after that two-week break. 
So I think it is a really nice um adjustment just because, like, it's really stressful and really brutal. And, like, almost I don't know if – let me look at NA. I think – yeah, those were all winner side players. Not a single loser side player made it through. So, like, um, mm-hmm. I think, like, the loser's bracket is inherently, like, out of your favor. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, those players deserved it. But I do think, like, after such a long break, like, I think – making even footing and just like because you're trying to find the best players in my opinion and i think this does a better job of it not saying these players don't deserve it but like i do think sometimes like if you put it at even footing um we wouldn't get the same results mm-hmm. yeah so this is gonna be a big deal to come back to these online tournaments uh for official play and uh colin i do want to say like technically i want to say you did win more than on some of those other players like i had the same thought you won 11 matches or like 10 or 11 yep. matches yeah, or something. yeah i had the same exact thought yeah, it's, it's like, a really frustrating thing because, like, sometimes if you just get, like, a better bracket or you have a better run, you're just in such a significant – like, it, you actually can look at it. Like, um, so Audie and I had the same exact team, and we met in the same part of the bracket. And Audie played so much less Pokemon than me, and we ended up the same place. But I had to play, like, probably close to double his – not double his games, but, like, an extra five rounds. And, like – it just, he was just at an advantage throughout the day just because, and I'm not, and like, obviously, like, if I played as well as Audi, I could have had the same result. And it, it it's just kind of like a, a silly thing just because, like, it, do, it doesn't necessarily show, like, sometimes if you just have a lucky run through winners, like, that is so much better than, like, um, like, then you think just because you played only five rounds of Pokemon, I played nine. Like, it's just such a, the difference in uh, Swiss and Double O Limb is that winning early is so much more rewarded in Double O Limb than yeah. Uh, yeah. than it is in Swiss, and that factor uh, just leads to such a disparity in what you see. Uh, you know, in the final result, you see uh, so many players from the winner side just like I don't know. It, it is a, it's a little silly uh, how much less games they have to play uh, just because of that, and so. Uh, it's a little more interesting when you have Swiss. Everyone's playing the same number of rounds always. And, um, you know, losing early is still punished because of resistance. But, you know, say somebody goes 8-0, loses the last round, and they know they're in cut. Um, somebody goes 0-1 to 8-1, uh, uh, and they know they're in cut. Uh, both of those players guaranteed cut. And uh, the one player that, you know, won round one is not so much more rewarded than the other player. Right. It's just, I think double elimination is not, I think Pokemon is not the game for it. And I think, um, like, fighting games, it makes sense, but Pokemon is not. Like, I, I'm just, like, I stand by that fact. And sometimes, like, you see, you know, our organizer, Chris Brown, like, his fighting game history showing its face. And, like, I think it doesn't translate perfectly to our game. And I, I, I think Swiss is much better. I wish it was a hard X2 cut. But I'll take what I can get, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to have uh, Swiss rounds for all of the four different regions for the early stages of the region qualifiers. Those uh, still move into double elimination bracket. So we still technically have that as part of the system. And then global finals, I imagine, would also just be double limb as well. So uh, when you think about it, like Players' Cup 3 testing out best of fives in global finals for those uh, what winners, losers, and grand finals, you know, those become a lot more meaningful for Players' Cup 4 if those stick around. For those raised stakes with uh, like major increases in cash each round you win, so that was that was a great point to bring up. Is that that money is gonna make a big difference? Yeah, because like first and fourth got like the same amount. Like 
same prizes. It's just more of pride. And like, I think some people don't necessarily care about that as much. Like, um, so I, I think it's a good thing. I think it's always a good thing to raise the stakes. Mm-hmm. Love it. Well, I think that's going to do it for our show this week. We covered a lot and there's a lot of exciting things on the horizon. So that's going to do it for us. And Colin, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on our show. We really appreciate your thoughts, opinions, and your time beyond here with us. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure. I always feel honored when I get to come on. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's uh, tell everybody where you can find us. You can send your comments, questions, and feedback to our email, vgchyperboys at gmail.com. You can also tell your friends about this show if they want, are interested in a show about competitive Pokemon. You can also find our show on all kinds of different podcasting platforms. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify are some of the more highlight ones there. Say, leave us a review to help us with visibility so that others can discover the show. And you can also find our show on Facebook and on Twitter at The Hyper Voice. Speaking of Twitter, you can find all three of us personally there as well. You can follow me at Super Morioka. Alex, where can people follow you? You can follow me at Lexicon VGC. And Colin, where can people follow you? Uh, at Battle Room. Awesome. Thank you, the listeners, so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And stay tuned for more of The Hyper Voice. Alola. Alola.